0: So this morning we will continue on in our study of Romans by going through Romans chapter 6. But once again, I'd like for you to open your Bibles up to Romans chapter 5 so that we can stay in the context of this letter that Paul has written to those in Rome So we're going to look at Romans chapter 5 here to begin with, and we'll start reading down in verse 12 of Romans 5. It says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man Jesus Christ abounded to many. Just kind of as a reminder, I went through all these verses the last time we gathered, but what's being pointed out here is that we've all sinned ever since Adam, right? But he goes he says there in uh, verse 14 that nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses, because in verse 13 prior to that he said, "For until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. In other words, the law came about and made it manifest that we were sinners because you know, when we know the commandments, we know, okay, I've broken that commandment or that law, whatever it is, that spiritual law of God, that, that moral law of God, right? We break that, we know we sin. Paul's pointing out to them here, though, that sin was always in the world ever since Adam. And because that sin was came with Adam, it was passed on to all of mankind, right? And that's why you might hear people say, well, we're born into sin. It's just what happens. It's just the way we are. And it doesn't take very long to to watch a child grow, to watch a little baby and watch, you know, little brother take his toy from little sister and little sister smack him over the head with something, right? Doesn't take very long to see that we're all sinners and we all fall short and our reactions are such. So that's what um, Paul is pointing out here, okay? But he's, he's making a distinction, though, in regards to the law. And then he, then he talks about the free gift there in verse 15. It's not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense, he says, many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded, abounded to many. Remember, God so loved the world Okay? He so loved everybody that He gave His only begotten Son. That's God's grace. Okay? And because of God's grace, what Paul is pointing out here is because of God's grace, it's a free gift. Salvation can come. Sin had us in bondage. Sin had us separated from a holy God. Right? That sin took Adam and Eve out of the garden, out of that communion with God. But Jesus Christ came along through the grace of God, and it's a gift to all, a free gift to whomsoever will can receive Jesus Christ. And verse 16 continues and says, And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, so in other words, if through Adam's offense, right, death reigned through one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Okay, so all the emphasis of our salvation is on Jesus Christ and what He has done for us. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. So, it's the free gift is offered to all men, not just a select few, not a certain group of people. The Jews kind of thought back in their day, their day it was just for them. When the gospel first began to be spread in their day, it was spread to only the Jews and all the disciples of Jesus were Jews. And when you get into Acts chapter 10, you'll see where Peter was called to the home of a man named Cornelius, who was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. And Peter went there and and shared the gospel with these Gentiles. The Holy Spirit came upon them and Peter realized that this was not just for the Jews, that God's work of the Holy Spirit could be done in anyone's life. And the same holds true today. The the work of God can be done in anyone's life. So, moreover, verse 20, I don't know if that's where I just left off, I believe. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the gift of God takes us to eternal life, the grace of God, that is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and what He has done for our sins. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. There's no other way. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Now, we'll go ahead and get into our verses for today verse 1 of chapter 6 of Romans. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Now, you know, it's funny, but even in our modern age today, people have that attitude that they can continue in sin because of grace. In other words, I'm saved by grace. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter how I live. I can continue in sin because I'm saved by grace. But Paul says, certainly not. He says, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So as we sit here this morning, we must ask ourselves some questions. And that is, is have we died to sin? You see, this is the reason we gather, to exhort one another, to edify one another. This is not about condemnation, but we should, we should check our hearts. We should see how we're living. See, you know, because we don't want to come to the end and find out we had it all wrong. We didn't know how we should be living because God gives us his word to tell us how we should be living. So have we died to sin? Have we repented of living a life of sin? Have we turned our back to a godless way of living, and turned toward a God-led way of living. So we can live in a godless manner, or we can live in a God-led manner, right? There is a way that a person that has come to the grace of God is to live. The way you can tell if a person has come to the grace of God or not is by seeing that that grace of God has changed them. Seeing that the grace of God has caused that person to live in a different manner, right? Now, let me show you why I say that. Go ahead and mark this page in your Bible or your phone app and turn to the book of Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, if you need to look it up in the index of your Bible, please take a moment to do so because I really want you to read this, but it's back by all the T's, it's right past 2 Timothy, and we're looking for Titus chapter 2. So if you find 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, then Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter two, and we'll begin reading from verse 11. It says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Now pause right there for a moment, because here we see again that the grace of God is available to how many people? To all, right? To all the grace of God has appeared to all not just one certain church not one certain religion not one certain group of people right by the grace of God salvation is offered to all of mankind verse 12 continues and says teaching us so the grace of God teaches us something what does it teach us the verse 12 continues and says that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly righteously and godly when in this present age okay so the person that has been saved by grace will this will live this kind of life explained here right they will deny ungodliness and worldly lust they will be sober minded They will be seeking to live righteously and godly in this present day and age. This is the person that has died to sin, as we saw back in the book of Romans. The Bible makes this very plain and clear. Again, there's a huge doctrine throughout the world, and and I believe that much of modern-day Christianity is dominated by, by this doctrine that just says hey if you're saved by grace it doesn't matter what else you're doing it doesn't matter how you're living but we do not find that in the pages of the scriptures that is not a true doctrine now let's spend a few moments looking at some scriptures that instruct instruct us on what it means to be dead to sin okay because we've talked i've brought that up a couple times here we understand and we talked about it a couple weeks ago, that yes, we are saved by grace through faith, right? But back there in verse 2 of Romans chapter 6, um, as a matter of fact, just go ahead, if you've marked the page, jump back there real quick. Romans chapter 6 um, and verse 2, we see again in Romans 6:2, how shall we who died to sin live any longer? In it, we saw that question, right? And there are two words that stand out to me there, and they are the words died and live. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And I want you to keep those words in mind here for a little bit as we as I take you through this teaching here. But let's go ahead now. You can keep this page in Romans marked. Again, we will come back. But we're going to look at Galatians chapter 2. It's to the right of Romans here, just after the book of 2 Corinthians. So you have 1 Corinthians, then 2 Corinthians, then Galatians. And we're looking at Galatians chapter 2. Again, we're focusing, I'm going to focus now on these words, died and lived as it relates to who we are spiritually in God, okay? So Galatians chapter two, and starting in verse 19. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the believers in the city of Galatia. They were called Galatians. So he says in verse 19, for I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. So again, we see two words there, died and live, right? The law, remember, we've talked about this in weeks past, the law was not able to give life. The law did not have that power. It did not give life, the abundant life, that life in God, that life in Christ. The law didn't bring that. Neither can religion bring that today. See, many people hold on to their religion today, their church, whatever it is, their denomination, and they think in that they have life, but that cannot bring life. Only Jesus Christ can. The best that law or religion can do is bring us to the knowledge that we are sinners. That's what it can do, right? A religion, a law cannot take away sin. It can only convict us of sin and remind us that we are sinners, okay? So the law, in a sense, was good in that sense, because it pointed out the fact that we're sinners in need of a Savior. But again, the Jews of this day were stuck on the fact that their law could save them, just like many people are stuck on the fact today that their church, their religion will save them. They'll be okay as long as they're in that church or in that religion. And we'll see as we continue to study through the book of Romans, Romans, that the wages of sin is death. So we have to be set free. We have to have life, right? We're separated or, or, or we become spiritually dead because of our sin and we're separated from God. So verse 19 here in Galatians makes it clear to us again, along with other scriptures, that the law came about to show us that we are dead because of sin. And now we know that we can live to God, In other words, our old nature is to be put to death, and our new born-again nature is to come alive. Verse 20 here in Galatians is an often quoted verse, especially by me, but it says, "...I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me." So there's a distinction being made here, Right? a distinction about the fact that when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, our old person no longer lives. That person dies. That's why we have the term born again, right? A person is born again. Something about them dies. Something about them passes away, but then they're made spiritually alive. They're made new in Jesus Christ. And Paul says, it's no longer I who live, In other words, it's not that person you once knew. It's now Christ that's alive in me. And this is how I now live my life, being led by Jesus Christ. And the rest of verse 20 says, and the life which I now live in the flesh. Okay, so we do acknowledge that we still have a life here in the flesh, right? Right, even though we are born again spiritually, but in this fleshly life, that we still have here on the earth, we are now to live as it continues to say there in verse 20, live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the born again life is something new, something different. It's all in Jesus Christ. So, but this brings us back to the faith or to the fact that we are to walk by faith and not by faith sight, right? And that is how we avoid sin. We're not focused on the flesh. We're not focused on the world. It's not all about me. It's not about my desires. It's not about getting what I want in this life and having the the, the things I want. No, it's not about that anymore. We're not living a flesh led life anymore because if we're living a flesh led life, we are not living a life that is led by the spirit right? And, and we do things differently. I don't go where the sinners go. I don't do what the sinners do. I choose to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, as Titus 2 tells us that's what the grace of God. So it's that choice that we make, right? And now look, none of us, I cannot do that by my own strength. If I relied on me, I would fall flat on my face every day. But it's the grace of God that teaches me and compels me to seek a manner of life that pleases God. You see, this is the reason that we dig into the Word of God like this. You know, the Bible is the best best-selling book of all time and it's in every home and many people have more than one. But the Bible can sit on a shelf in your home and collect dust, or it can be opened up and read and studied. And this is the reason that I do it like this, is to teach it so that we can get it within our souls so we can see, okay, this is what God wants of me. This is how I am to live. And it's possible to do this, but it's only possible through faith. Not, not by walking by sight, but walking through faith, right? And And, and applying this in our lives, right? You see, I want this teaching to sink deeply into all of us here this morning, so I'm going to keep driving home this topic here. So turn now to Galatians chapter 5. Okay, Galatians chapter 5, just a couple pages up or so. Galatians chapter 5, and let's look at verse 16. So it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So again, we see that very clear distinction being presented to us here in the Scriptures. What's being contrasted here is a life that's led by the flesh and a life that's led by the Spirit. I submit to you this morning that in your life today, you are either being predominantly led by the flesh or you are being led by the Spirit, right? And the scripture goes on here to give us some examples of what the difference is. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, which is sex outside of marriage, right? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, Jealousy? Now look, if we stopped and studied each one of these words, there's a lot more. We can skim. I'm just skimming over them right now, right? But there's a lot way, there's a lot of ways these things can, can work in someone's life. Idolatry, you know, uh, sorcery, hatred, contentions. You know, think about how easy contentions are between people. How easy it is to become contentious and how this happens, right? But this is a work of the flesh. This is the person that's not led by the spirit jealousy, outburst of wrath. Think about that. Just getting angry and outburst of wrath. This is the flesh, right? This is not the spirit. Selfish ambitions. I mean, I read these things and and I can fall into any one of these things at any time. And if we're honest, we, we all can, right? Dissensions and heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, right? Revelries is like partying from house to house, partying and, you know, hooting and hollering and all that stuff and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's pretty strong, huh? We we can't practice. That can't be the, the way we live every day. That cannot be it, right? So we cannot be fooled into thinking that a person is living a life led by the flesh and not by the spirit, that they're a saved person because those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, right? Now remember, God's grace doesn't teach us to live this way, right? God's grace grace teaches us to live differently. So we need to be surrendering to the grace of God surrendering on a daily basis to the will of god right we crucify ourselves daily see the thing is is as we as we walk this earth in the flesh every day we all wake up with our flesh we're still toting this same body around we're still we, we're still got these certain mentalities ingrained within us that we learned from our youth or maybe our parents passed on to us. And, you know, I'm talking bad qualities, ways we think that are contrary to the Word of God. That's why we are to renew our minds on the Word of God and start to, to, to let all the junk jump, jump come out. You know, when I used to teach the youth uh, for several years, you know, I always used an analogy with them of like a, if you took a 55 gallon drum or it doesn't matter, you could do a five gallon bucket, whatever, but it's full of dirt. And then you just take a hose and you start pour, pouring that pure, pure water into that bucket of dirt. And you just keep getting the water going, right? All of a sudden it fills up and, it, and it's just starting to come over. Sooner or later, there's gonna be pure water in that bucket. All the dirt's gonna come out. And the water is the Word of God. The water cleanses us and purifies our soul. So we need to be renewed in it. We need to keep the Word of God coming within us. And not only being keep it coming within us, right, but being someone that practices it, not just a forgetful hearer, but someone that actually does what it says, right? So I think we really need to consider the things that are on this list here, even though we like to say, well, that's not me. None of those things on that list is me, right? But we we need to consider these things, right? So what's the opposite then of being led by the flesh? Well, the opposite of being led by the flesh is to be led by the Spirit. Well, what does it look like to be led by the Spirit? Well, verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Again, skimming through the words. You could take time to meditate on them, and that's what you should do when you study the Word of God, is to take, don't feel like you have to read the whole book. You know, you have your whole life. Take these words and look at them, you know? What is it to be led by the Spirit? Love. Man, is love operating in my life right now? Is there somebody I'm hating? Is there somebody I'm contentious with? You know, is there joy? Is there peace in my heart? Is there long-suffering you know, am I a long-suffering kind of person or do I quickly outburst, you know? When you come at me, do I just take it and, and suffer long or do I have an outburst of wrath, right? Like we saw on the other side of this list. So kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. In other words, we don't need to regulate these things, If everybody walked around in this kind of life with goodness and kindness, there'd be no need for laws, even in our land today, right? Why? Because everybody's good. So there's no law, nothing. We don't need that. This is the good side of things. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So again, where are we right now? Have we crucified this? Or do these type of passions and desires Are we selfish in all of these things? Does that rule and reign? Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So again, you see, living in the Spirit means we must walk in the Spirit, as we see in verse 25. And then what happens is the fruits of the Spirit is evident in our lives. But again, on the contrary, if we walk in the flesh and that becomes our practice in life, well, then we're under the law, right? Because we are judged by the law as sinners, right? We We need something to regulate us. Somebody needs to slap us upside the head all the time because of the way we're living. But if we're led by the Spirit, it doesn't have to be that way, right? So as Paul addressed the Galatians here, here and also back in chapter three, uh, 2, as we read, I believe, he points out to them that someone was bewitching them. Actually, I believe Paul talks about that in Galatians chapter 3. In other words, he says, who has bewitched you that you're putting yourself back under the bondage of the law? Okay, why are you doing that? It's about the grace of God. It's about the Spirit of God. Be led by the grace of God. Be led by the Spirit of God. Let the grace of God teach you how you should live, okay? And again, I am focusing on two words here this morning. uh, That is, died and lived, okay? So let's turn now to Galatians chapter six, okay? Staying right here in Galatians chapter six. And let's look at verses 14 and 15. It says, But God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. So Paul's saying it is a new creation that matters, not your religion, right? Right? We see that we have died to something, though, and we've, we, we've died to something, and what we were to die to is the world. Like he says, the world has been crucified to me. We are no longer to live according to the ways of this world, and no, we are no longer need to live according to any religious laws at all. The only thing that matters is that we are a new creation, and as a new creation, We walk not led by the flesh, but rather led by the Spirit. Now I'm going to have you look at Colossians chapter 3. Three books to the right of where we are now. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, um, Colossians. I always remember, I was going to say popcorn. They asked me why. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Go eat popcorn. That's how I remember the order of those books. So I said, Colossians, Ephesians, popcorn. popcorn. <laughs> so, Colossians chapter 3. Verse 1 If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. So again, do you see that word, if there? That's a distinction. If you were raised with Christ, in other words, if you've died to this world and you have been born again, then this is what you should be doing. We should be doing, we should seek those things which are above. In other words, concentrating on spiritual things, eternal things, not the temporal things of this world. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Now it gives us a list again. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. So we see that we once walked. When it says once walked, that should indicate something. That should indicate that we're still not walking in that way, that we're no longer walking in the ways of the world, right? The walk... Walking in that way should become past tense in the life of a born-again disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, one more scripture I want us to look at here in regard to dying to something and living another way. Okay, again, I I told you I'm going to drive this point home that we're to die to something and we're to live another way. And I want you now to look at 1 Peter chapter 2. So toward the back of your Bibles, between the books of James and second Peter. So it goes James, then First Peter. But we're looking for First Peter chapter two. I'm sorry, what chapter two? Yes, chapter two. First Peter chapter two and verse twenty four. who speaking of Jesus right? who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed for you were like sheep going astray but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. so that's telling us something there right we We once were going astray, but now we've come to Jesus. We've returned to the shepherd, to the overseers of our souls, right? We have died to sins, and we now live in righteousness. The death of Jesus healed us of our sin. But like it says in verse 25, okay, like I pointed out there, we have now... Return to the shepherd and the overseers of our souls. So we were once separated from God, and now our souls can be led by God because God became flesh and took away our sin. Now we are to be ruled and led by His Spirit, dead to the one and alive to the other, dead to sin, dead to the flesh, and alive in the Spirit. So we just looked at a bunch of scriptures that talk about what we died to, all right? And now we also saw the word live back there in Romans chapter six verse two. So I know I'm I'm taking you through a lot of scriptures today, but nothing's wrong with that. So Second Corinthians, I want you to go to Second Corinthians now, chapter five. Back to the left we go. All right, Second Corinthians chapter five. Romans, then First Corinthians, then Second Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to start reading in verse 14. It says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. You ever look at it that way? That Jesus died for us, so we're all dead? Right. He died in our place and he died for all that those who live. Remember, Paul said in Galatians, uh, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So even though we're to be dead, we still live. And he says, and he died for all in verse 15 here, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died. For them and rose again okay so we no longer live that's how we should live it's no longer living for ourselves christ died for us we live for him it's that simple we're no longer fleshly led beings look at verse 16 therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh even though we have known christ according to the flesh yet now We know Him thus no longer. Therefore, right? In other words, that being the case, Christ is risen and is in heaven and we are dead to sin and we now live for Him, right? So he says, therefore, then if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. Old things have passed away and behold all things become new. You know, it's sad today. You see, in the flesh, in this world, people separate, separate themselves and they segregate themselves, right? Even in churches today, right? We have, you know, an all-Hispanic church, an all-black church, an all-white church, and all-this church, and all that, but in Christ, that doesn't exist because we look at each other as souls. We're all one in Christ, Right? There's neither Jew, nor Greek, nor Gentile, nor slave, nor free. We're all in Christ, okay? So we shouldn't be going through this, you know, this separating and dividing that that's not a godly thing. That's not what God would have, right? So again, old things have passed away. The way we used to live without Christ, the way we used to think, everything's different now in Christ, right? And how many, new, how many things have become new? All things have become new, okay? In First Peter, I'm not gonna have you turn there just for the sake of time, but in First Peter um, chapter 1, in verse 13, just listen to this here. It says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you, At the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not conform yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. In other words, before you came to Christ, you were ignorant to spiritual things, you were ignorant to the truth. Don't walk in that way anymore. But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Okay, sometimes religion has taken that word holy and, and, and made it like, ooh, you know, like I can't be there, ooh, it's so, right? But holy simply means to be set apart, not who you used to be. That's what the word holy means, set apart. I don't live that way anymore. I don't walk that way anymore. I don't do that thing. Peter said, you know, that people would think it's, think of you as strange because you don't live the way you used to live or you don't live the way they do, okay? So when we live this way, it's, it's not going to be easy, easy. In 1 Peter chapter 4, again, I'll just have you listen to me here for the sake of time. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery Trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering that when his glory is revealed you may also be glad with exceeding joy if you are reproached for the name of Christ blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you on their part he is blasphemed. On your part, He is glorified. So it's making a distinction between those that have not been born again, those who do not live their life according to the Spirit, and those that do. One group blasphemes God in the way they live. The other glorifies God, okay? But as we do that, Peter is saying, well, you will suffer. I mean, people will think you're strange. You don't do what we do, you know? you don't live like we live anymore. You're you're now living different. What is it? Well, you're set apart, right? But in nowhere do we ever act like we're any better because we're not. I'm just a fleshly being walking through this life, but I'm not walking the way they're walking. I'm now walking by faith in the eternal things, looking for where I'm going. I'm not walking by sight anymore. So it's a struggle. It's a struggle in this world when you're walking by faith. And I always tell you, faith is not easy. It's a fight. It's easier just to go with the flow. It's easier just to to jump in with everyone else and float down the same stream they are, right? It's hard to stand against it, right? So I want to continue reading here in 1 Peter where I was just reading to you from. Uh, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or an evildoer, or a busybody. Wow, look at that. That's crazy, huh? They got a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, and then a busybody right in that same list, okay? Right? In other people's matters, don't be a busybody. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, in other words, look at yourself first. Get your own life right first. If it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? Now, if, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful Creator. Let me read that again. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as unto a faithful Creator. Okay? Now, let's go back to Romans chapter 6 and pick up reading in verse 3. Okay, so I spent a lot of time there taking us from verses 1 and 2 there, showing us there's a way to live, there's a way not to live. There's the flesh-led life, there's the spirit-led life. There's that sin-led life, and there's that Holy Spirit-led, being led and walking in holiness and setting yourself apart from the sinful world. Verse 3 of Romans uh, Chapter six, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, think about baptism, okay? Think about what it symbolizes. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life, okay? So we now come to another subject matter here. We see that when we are baptized, we are baptized into his death. That's what baptism represents for us. We are symbolically demonstrating that we are dead to our old nature and that we're now going to walk in a newness of life, okay? So I take baptizing people very seriously, okay? Because I want to know that You know that this is what you're committing to, right? You know that this is what you're saying right now. You're saying, I want to be dead to the old and alive to the new. I want to walk in a newness of life. That's what you're participating in. That's what this is going to be, okay? Verse five, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So baptism is a very key defining moment in the life of a believer in Jesus Christ. At the moment of our baptism, we again have demonstrated that our heart's desire is to be dead to the flesh and alive to Christ. We go under the water and it symbolizes our dying to the old man. We come up out of the water, symbolizing the resurrected new man that we are, right? Knowing this, verse six, knowing this that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Okay, so verse 7. He, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that's how we should live, right? We've seen plenty of other scriptural examples here this morning. I know I took you through a lot of scriptures, but we're to be dead to sin so we don't walk in it anymore. And the only way that that is possible to be, to be, is if we walk led by the Spirit, if we yield to the Spirit, to the fruits of the Spirit, and we begin to make that our practice. Now, the Holy Spirit is not done making this point here. Verse 12, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. Okay? Now, as I was studying this verse, the words, let sin, and rain stood out to me. So I looked them up in the Greek. And in the Greek, they are both the same word. And that Greek word means to exercise the highest influence to control. To exercise the highest influence and to control. So the point that is being made here is that is sin going to have the highest influence in your life? Or are you going to exercise control over? And if you yield to sin, you will reap from that sin. If you yield to righteousness, you will reap the rewards of righteousness. Verse 13 says, And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Okay, so we've talked a ton about this this morning. We're dead to the old sinful man, alive to Christ, so live like it. And again, here in verse 13, we see that it is in our control, right? Do not present your members, right, as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, right? Don't use your body, don't use your your life, things you do for sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So again, the choice of which to do is ours. Verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Remember, we talked about the difference between law and grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. Paul makes this point twice, doesn't he? Can't keep sinning just because you're under grace. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slave's whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So in other words, you're doing one or the other. You're either being led by the sin or you're being led by righteousness, right? Verse 17, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet, what did you do? Yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. You see, sound doctrine is in the Bible. That's why I take the time to point out the sound doctrine of the Bible. But what do you have to do? What do we have to do? We have to choose to obey it, right? There is a doctrine that needs to be obeyed, and the doctrine is simple. It's in the Bible. Jesus says that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, He said that one must be born of the Spirit, right? Mankind could not do this in our own strength, so God initiated the love. He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whomsoever would believe on Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That's why God sent His Son. It's not about condemnation, it's all about love. And God loves us so much that He wants us to walk in righteousness and holiness and to change, right? In His love, God gave us a choice. Do you want to be set free from your sin? Do you want to have everlasting life in the kingdom of God? Or do you want to stay dead in your sin and sins and trespasses and eternally separated from God? For the most part, mankind has hardened their hearts. They have not repented. Or at best, they just join a religion that makes them feel comfortable. They join a religion where they don't have to change the way they live. They can just keep living the way they want to live and their religion, they go on Sunday and they feel good about themselves and their religion doesn't do what I'm doing, doesn't point out that, hey, we're sinners and we gotta walk in the right way, right? So, in so doing, they're ignoring Jesus. The only way, the only truth, the only life, right? But here in Romans, we're being instructed on how we should live as those that, you know, have chosen Christ. Verse 18, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of Christ. Righteousness. Now, why did the Holy Spirit have Paul use all this slave terminology? Well, in verse 19, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness. For holiness. So in other words, all the effort that people put into being a slave to sin, all the effort that you once put into living in sin, put all that same effort now into living in righteousness and holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, verse 20 says, you were free in regards to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So another very clear distinction there. Sin leads to death. Your spiritual death, And quite often, sin leads people to their physical death as well, doesn't it? But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. There is abundant life in Jesus Christ. There is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. There is death and darkness and destruction in the ways of this world. But as you hear this Bible teaching today, it is my hope that you and me both will choose life we will choose abundant life, we will choose the path of righteousness. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, again, thank you for your word, Lord. I pray, God, that each one of us will take your word seriously, Lord, and and begin to to study it for ourselves, Lord. Begin to meditate on your word and, and soak it in, God. We we spend time together here this morning, and it's just one hour and a half, whatever it is, God. I don't even know how much time we've spent here this morning, God. But it's all in your presence, God, and it's all good, God. We need to learn of you. We need to grow of you, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of you. We need to understand your will for our lives. It's important that we do, God. We see it plain and clear in your word, God, and we pray that you would renew us by your Spirit And that that you would focus our attention, we would fix our attention, God. Really, it's not up to you, you've left it up to us. It's our choice how we should live and what we should do. So God, we thank you for your mercy, that you give us this opportunity to, to begin again. Your mercy is new every morning. You give us the opportunity today to start afresh, to start anew to begin to seek you. Help us to see the areas, Lord, where we're not focused on you in this life. Let your will be done, Lord, in our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen.